All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Why don't you guys stand, and uh, we're going to sing a song together, kick off the service. We sing this. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break. His broken hearts declare his praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Sing, so open up the gates. So open up the gates. Make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? For who can stop the Lord Almighty? For who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. One more time, we'll sing that chorus. We'll sing this out. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain 
For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful to be in your house today. Lord, we're thankful for the gift of salvation we have in Jesus. We're so thankful, Father, that you paid the debt we couldn't pay. Thank you for the offering that you've given to us of eternal life. Father, we also thank you for the promise of abundant life here until we go to be with you in heaven. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with those who are ill today. I pray you'd be with those who are sick I pray, Father, for those who are discouraged today. May your spirit lift them up today. I pray, Father, for those who are broken. May they be mended today. Lord, I pray as we move along and hear what you have done in the lives of four men, and as we participate in the observance of the Lord's Supper, that each of us will examine our hearts. Each of us will consider the crucial questions about our life. And Father, I just pray that you will work in our service today and that you will be glorified and honored and lifted high. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. We want to take a time to welcome our guests. If you're a guest with us today, we don't want to draw any attention to you. We want you to feel at home and welcome, uh, and we don't want to make you feel nervous or anything. But we do want to let you know that we love you. We care about you. As a church, we are increasing the dosage of love. And when the years have gone by, when they talk about the group of people that joined at the Church of the Crossing, what we desire most is that we love Jesus, and it was clearly seen, and that we loved one another. And so we are learning to love. There's not one person in here that's perfect. There's not one person here that's got it all together. We're all struggling and learning to love. But uh, please, if, if the Holy Spirit were to lead you, why don't you join us in learning to love Jesus with all of our heart and learning to love one another. And so that's what we're about and that's what we're doing. And we're about to practice the greeting of love. The Bible tells us that we are to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, in our culture, we really frown from that. Uh, and, and when you're in a culture that they like to kiss when they greet, it makes us really uncomfortable. But for us, a holy greeting would be a, 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 a greeting of grace, of love, of mercy, of a handshake, a hug. And if you are so inclined, a greeting of a holy kiss. Amen? I didn't, I didn't get a man out of some of you. <laughs> Amen. We're learning to love. So make sure there's no one that walks in this building that does not receive at least the effort to be loved today. When you come to the church and someone that you don't know, you go to them and let them know that we love them. If we make someone feel uncomfortable, it's better to do that with love rather than with no attention whatsoever. All right? Y'all ready? So we are practicing our greeting, being obedient. Greet one another with love, 
with acceptance. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Justin Gass is right there. He ought to get four or five smacks. <laughs> he can use it. Amen? Let's greet one another. All right, guys, looks like there's lots of smacking going on. Hopefully everyone got welcome today. All right, if you go ahead and join us, we're going to sing together Amazing Grace. Y'all sing this with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace, twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious. Just that grace appear the hour I first believe. Sing the Lord has promised, the Lord has promised good to me his word my hope. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. When we've been shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Come on, one more time you sing Amazing Grace. Amazing
Jesus left us with a commandment. It's called the Great Commission, and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples, and that is what we do. If you had the cure for cancer, would you keep it to yourself? No, you'd want to go tell as many people as possible so that way everybody with cancer, everybody that had a disease would be healed. That's exactly what we're doing. We've got a cure for eternal life. I believe our message in today's society is radical the same way that Jesus was radical. Our whole purpose as a ministry is to get people that don't go to church, people that don't know about Jesus to show up. The Power Team name has the ability to draw people into a building unlike any other group in the world. They are really unbelievable. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Okay, the video is kind of random. However, I went and saw those guys in 1987, and that is when the Holy Spirit was super clear to me, calling me into a relationship with Jesus. It was in a church, probably 5,000 people, and they did an altar call at the end of it. And because you know that was the point, a lot of things leading to that, but those guys, their message is so spot on, and that's when I actually accepted Christ. And then, of course, I was just baptized shortly after that in a pond, which is such a, knowing what I know now, I know I'm in a place where I need to be. The leadership reflects my whole, my whole uh, coming to know Jesus. What I wanna share with you, though, is that's when I actually say, was saved, where I accepted Christ. But I want to tell you a little bit about my journey to that. And so if you'll pull up that next slide, Rob. This is my family growing up. This is my mom and my dad, my two little sisters, and then the good-looking kid in the back, that's me. <laughs> and so what uh, the reason I chose this picture is because this picture is a picture of my family right before uh, we left the Lutheran church. When I was born... Uh, my family, German family, both sides, way Lutheran, which, you know, there's a lot of things you can learn through the Lutheran church. They, they teach the gospel, but they don't necessarily follow through on what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. So what I want to share with you guys is just what brought me to know, brought me to know who Christ is. And so on the next slide, I'm going to read a couple of verses. 
The first one, and of course, you're going to know this is the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 18 through 19, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then, of course, in Mark 16, verse 15, it says, and then he told them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. That is the very foundation, that's the basis of how I came to know Christ, because the families that had the impact on my family growing up that taught us about having a relationship uh, to know Christ. These two families, um, and there's, there's some others, but the two in particular that I remember as a child, uh, the Brown family and the Jones family. Um, Harry, so the left picture is the Brown family, and the right picture, that's Scott and Nancy Jones, and Harry and Alna on the left side. Harry has since left and uh, has gone to heaven unexpectedly. I mean, the angels were cheering when he came through. They were fired up, I promise. Um, but Harry and Alna went to church with us at the Lutheran church, and Scott and Nancy did not. And through the obedience of Scott and Nancy and believing in the Great Commission and believing that there is a true relationship with Christ and what that really means, they shared with Harry and Alma, who then shared with my parents, those two families, I would say, are the reason that my dad and my mom were saved. And so shortly thereafter, we left that church and we went to a church called Christian Fellowship Church in DeCoin, Illinois. They're more known for <laughs> their state fair than they are for Jesus. Uh, and it's a big deal. I mean, I remember all kinds of concerts and fast cars and just all kinds of fun stuff. But there in that community was Christian Fellowship Church, Persley Pavlov, who just passed away in 2013, um, was the, the head pastor there. And there, my parents received a lot of discipleship. Harry and Elna continued to be a part of our lives, speaking truth into my mom and dad. And of course, as a child, I observed that and, and, and learned more. Well, then I really got to see how God can move firsthand. My parents, the Browns, the Joneses, and a couple other families from the church there in DeCoin decided to start a, a Christian Fellowship Church in Mount Vernon, Illinois, where I grew up. And so they started in the basement, a secret church, it felt like, looking back. It, uh, but they started a church in the basement of a bank. And then, I, and I don't even know if a bank would do that today, but then shortly thereafter, we were in the basement of a hospital, and God just moved. The people were coming. Word got out, and people started coming. Then all of a sudden, we had a freestanding church. And to see the power of God and what the what it means to have a relationship with the Lord, how that draws people when they really hear the, the truth and they hear the testimony of Jesus Christ, it will just have an influence on them. And, and to be a young boy, becoming a young man, to see that firsthand is truly just a unique experience. 
And then from there, the church started youth ministry. And then that is ultimately where then I was led to go see those guys. They're called the power team. And, I, and to my knowledge, they're still doing their, their, uh, their tours and they're sharing their testimonies and they have huge crowds and, and they really do draw people from all backgrounds. Um, and it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. Um, and then, so ultimately that led me to accept Christ. Now, looking back at that, I feel like we have a huge responsibility. Go ahead and go to the, the last slide. I do feel like that there's something I've taken away, especially, you know, because there's so many parts. We all have different testimonies. We have different parts of our life that could be its own testimony, its own, it stand on its own. But I really prayed over this, and I felt like this is where God wanted me to share. And we all are responsible for exposing the loss to the good news. It's not, it's pretty clear. There is no gray area. It's, uh, it's an act of obedience. Harry and Alna, um, great people, obedient to what God called them to do. And, and I have a relationship because of their obedience that then led to my parents being obedient, that then led to me being accepting Christ. And so I want to just wrap up in James, 2, in James 2, 14 through 20. And, and the reality is, again, I think the word's very clear. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see your brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you do not give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you, have, how can you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith about good deeds is useless? So at the end of the day, we're all called to share the gospel. And we all will be put in different situations to share that good news. And, and it's up to us. I don't want to be before God and, and God go, man, you blew it. I had to go use somebody else. I... I'm sure that's happened, and I'm sure I'll hear about it, but I do know that, that I am always trying to be willing and able to share that good news. And so, anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you all this morning. So along with what Jason just said, I had no idea what he was going to talk about and what a wonderful testimony. I'm going to talk about one of the ways that our church had decided that we were going to share the gospel. This was back in April. But prior to that, there was discussion that went on about 
what were ways that our church could reach out to the community? What were things that could be done that would exhibit Christ to those around us? And one of the things that came up, and I remember Lee talking about this, was the crosswalk. And what this was, it was sounded kind of crazy at first. What it was was taking a cross and carrying it up and down 1187 right before Easter so that people would see that cross. And they would think about it. They would think about the fact that it was Easter and, and that Jesus had done that. And so that discussion took place and the decision was made to do that. I had seen that done. And I think I mentioned to you, it, it made an impact. And where I saw it done, believe it or not, was at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. And there was a guy, you know, Sturgis, South Dakota is a little bitty town until bike week happens. And then there's hundreds of thousands of people that go to that. There was one guy that was bold enough to pick up a cross and just walk the streets. And I remember seeing it and I thought, you know, even in this place, God's presence is there. I mean, you see that cross just moving down the streets. Nothing was said but his presence was there. So I knew this could be a really good thing. The way this was devised, it was going to be two-hour shifts, as all of you that have participated remember. Two-hour shifts. It was going to start at 6 o'clock in the morning on Friday. This was going to go all day Friday. It was going to go all day Saturday. And then Easter would happen on Sunday Different Bible study groups, different Sunday school classes, connect groups, whatever group existed, got to select a time. And that's how it was. And with our Sunday school class, Don and Hallie's class, we started at 6 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning, which was the very first shift. So the week before, I'd seen Philip's cross. That was a big cross, man. I, I thought, okay, we've got two hours, it's four miles, 30 minutes a mile. It crosses at least 50 pounds, but he's got a wheel on it, so this isn't going to be too bad. How am I going to make this comfortable? My daughter's baby pillow. It'd sit right on the shoulder, cross would sit on that. Wasn't going to be too killer to try to haul this thing up and down the street. Something interesting happened that week, though. God never lets things just happen. It's never our plan. We're going to drag this cross up and down the street. People are going to see it, and lives are going to be changed. It's not exactly what happened. He starts talking to me that week. Odd thing. I have this devotional book that I had gotten a long time ago, and in it, it talks about the Stations of the Cross, the Via Dolorosa, which in Jerusalem, the way it's translated in Aramaic is the way of pain, way of suffering. A lot of those Stations of the Cross there in Jerusalem are born out of tradition, but the Bible verses are very real. So I thought what God had impressed in my head was that I needed to look at those verses, and not only did I need to look at them before we did the walk, 
But during the walk, I needed to read those out loud. And Hallie had mentioned it, and it, it wasn't something I wanted to do. It was something that God put on my heart. And the crazy thing was that some of those verses are Old Testament, and God had put on my heart, it needed to be read out of the Message Bible. But the only Message Bible I had was Karen's pink <laughs> Message Bible that, you know, this isn't real manly. But it needed to come out of this, of all things. So that morning we get together and we pray and we show up and it's dark, 6 o'clock in the morning, and I have my headlamp on. I have my pink Message Bible and I've got my devotional and I'm supposed to read this out loud because I know that's what God's telling me to do. And I'm thinking, they're going to think I'm crazy. In the middle of the night, I'm going to be yelling this stuff because we had a big group. I mean, I think, what, probably 20 or so that were there. I thought, okay. So Friday morning shows up, it all goes down, and I'm thinking, all right, here we go. So the first verses that I read, it's, Jesus in front of Pilate. And the first thing that comes out, I mean, I, I read it out loud. It's loud. Probably nobody was expecting it. And Pilate is, is, has talked to Jesus and he says, this man is innocent. Right out of the box. Jesus is innocent. For some reason that made an impression on me right at the very beginning because I knew that this way of suffering and this pain was not because Jesus had done something wrong. It was because he was setting things right for us. So our group carries the cross. We, we walk down to 1187. We head towards the interstate. It's dark. Figure out I've got to read these verses about every 10 minutes <laughs> to get them all in. This is going on and our group is spreading out as the cross is being carried. Part of our group, I'm towards the back and part of our group gets to the interstate first and then they turn around and so we kind of meet in the middle. And something miraculous has happened. In my way of thinking, I'm thinking, all right, how many guys is it going to take to carry this cross? Because this thing's heavy. Again, I meet the group coming the other way, and I think, Amy, you had it at that time. And it was, it was awesome. There was not a single person in our group, male or female, no matter how heavy that cross was, that didn't want to bear that thing that day. It was amazing. We, we group back up, everybody's walking with the cross, and then the greatest part of the whole journey happened, the sun starts coming up, and about the time the sun starts coming up, I'm reading the verses where Jesus has been buried, and Mary has run to the tomb, and she's looking for Jesus, she's going to attend to the body. And he's not there. And she's frantic. And she turns and she sees somebody and she thinks he's a gardener. And she starts imploring with him, 
Where's the body? Where's, where's my master? And Jesus calls her by name, Mary. And at that point, I knew what the crosswalk was all about. Yes, we were ministering to the community. They were seeing Jesus. Some of them liked it, some of them didn't. I mean, I've heard stories of people honking, I mean, getting the California howdy, the whole thing. That was done, but the biggest thing that was done is just like we do the Lord's Supper and it's a time of remembrance, when we walked that cross, we remembered. We remembered what Jesus had done and in a lot of ways, we felt his presence with us with that. And I think probably most of the groups would testify to that. It was a reminder about Jesus' sacrifice. And it, it reminded me that when I take for granted, when I get a prayer request from a friend or I have something in my life that goes on and I can lift that up to God and I, I can pray and I know he's going to take care of it. It didn't just happen. There was a price that was paid, and that price was paid by Christ, paid by Jesus, and it was the greatest gift that we could ever have. Why don't you guys stand with me? We sing nothing but the blood. This is all my righteousness, 
Some men are uh, gifted in speaking. I'm probably not one of those. I, I've got an abundance of procrastination. Oh, see, look at Brother Lee already helping me out. I have an abundance in procrastination and uh, not planning very well. So uh, Andy Bob showed me that I could write my uh, testimony down this morning, and that's what I did. <laughs> so you guys will know that that was to break some tension of the person on the stage so listen carefully, because you'll have to really hear the miracle that I try to unfold for you guys. My life is a firsthand testimony of what it means to be accepted into a family. At my birth, I was adopted from Buckner's Adoption Service in Dallas, Texas, the second adopted child of my parents. My parents, I'm going to turn my page so I don't get lost, my parents... I hadn't looked at it yet, Jessica, so just to let you know. It's comforting to have friends and family in the audience that you don't have to get nervous about. My, fam my family, my parents showed me love. They also showed me the fact that Jesus Christ was the only way to restore my relationship with my almighty God. Here I am, already tearing up. Not supposed to do that, are we? But I am, because it's a miracle that when I was young, after much prayers by my parents, probably a lot of discussions with my Sunday school leaders, I was able to hear his voice. Not only did I hear it, but I accepted his gift of salvation. I, who was once defiled by sin, was washed white as snow in God's eyes. I was lost, but in a moment, I was found and accepted into a new family, my heavenly family. It's great to see a lot of brothers and sisters in the uh, crowd today. All of you guys who are also Christians, I count as my family. <clears throat> I'm going to look down now, Jessica, because I'm lost. Talked about my family, right? You know about my parents. Lots of people know my story. Some people don't. Um, but my belief and acceptance started my walk with God. The walk has not been always easy. There's been high times. There's been rough times. But I know that God's grace is sufficient for me. He guides me and He leads me daily. He grants me strength and power that allows me to show others His love through my words and deeds and hopefully spread the good news. Much like... You guys, 
We struggle at times. But God sees me through. Look at that. I'm on the last page. Short and sweet. The walk is difficult at times. I don't know what the future holds. And I know I'm not in control. But God sees me through. He stands beside me and watches over me. And I'm thankful to have a great crowd of witnesses, other believers. Y'all encourage me. Y'all strengthen me. Y'all cheer me on as I press toward the goal. I use what talents I have, what gifts I have with other believers to be a supporter to spread the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, my sins specifically. I was excited then when I became a new believer. I'm excited now and honored to proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm waiting to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little. Come and enter the joy of the Lord. My name is Craig Nickel, and uh, I've been married to my wife for 32 years, Mary. She's back here. We've been a member of this church for about 16 years, so about half of that, half of that time, this church means a lot to us. Uh, I have a new granddaughter back there eating, and uh, my son Matthew and his wife Haley, just, I guess, two months now I've had a kid, so we're pretty excited about it. Haley was saved about right there when Brother Lee was preaching on John 3. And so this special place. My uh, oldest daughter, Kelly, sings a lot up here. She's a teacher of my youngest daughter's in Chicago. And uh, I, actually, I should tell this, Mark Woods, he kind of hurt me back in the day. But he, he kind of had recognized, and he didn't know this, he pastored my folks for many years, and he kind of had seen Kelly on the stage and had put one and one together that she was our daughter and of course, it kind of surprised him. I knew where that was coming from. It was like, well, she's got talent. And I, I, could, I could get it. And, of course, I knew that was there. And so I was kind of, well, Mark, you know, I tried to tell him the old line of, you know, an acre doesn't fall far from the tree. And he kind of looked at me and shook his head slowly, said, that must have been one windstorm. <laughs> so that, that, that hurt me. Um. I'm extra proud of my kids. The 1 Peter 3.15 says that you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So this morning, I'd like to kind of explain a little bit about what God has been doing in my life this summer. It's been a, it's been a fun summer. Uh, a while back, Lee shared about what to look for when you're looking for a pastor. And I think number one on that list was Look for a pastor who listens to God. And I'm really thankful that we have a pastor that listens to God. I'm not a particular good listener, so God has to work with me a little bit. I got to go to summer camp this year with the high schoolers. It's a, it's a blast. A lot of you guys have been, to, have been to camp, and that's a blessing. Andy Bob came up and said, hey, we're doing something different this summer. We're not taking a bus. We're going to take a bunch of vans, and we need drivers. We need kind of sponsors. I said, okay, that, that sounds good. Let me see if I can work it out. Years ago, I went to camp with my daughter as a camper, Kelly, 
This year I got to go to camp. I was old enough to go to camp with her as a sponsor, so I was kind of the, the old guy. And I, I want to tell you that the, uh, it was a lot of fun. The kids that were at camp were really, really special, really great group of, of kids. It was really fun. I, I told, I shared with them while I was there, why do I like to go to why do I like to go to camp? I mean, what's the old guy doing at camp? I don't really feel old, but, you know, when you're in a high school camp, you know, who's the old guy there, right? And, uh, you know, I'm there because it's a mountaintop experience. Most of the time at work, I'm pretty consumed with what I do at work, and it's a lot of times it can be the same old, same old. It's trying to get business, trying to fulfill orders, trying to take care of things. And... At camp, you get to get away, and you get to get away from the ordinariness of life. I think C.S. Lewis called it that, the ordinariness of life, and see something extraordinary. You get to see God at work, which is really a, a, a fun thing to, to do. Um, and it reminded me of a, of a few things that I tend to, I tend to forget. It was, a, it was a great time to, to be with some of the other sponsors. We, we get to Santa Fe, and we're staying a night at the hotel, there, I don't remember the name of the hotel. I think it advertised that it was like queen beds or king beds. I know there were four big guys, and if, if we had double, two double beds, that was pretty good. I was sharing a double with Cole. You can get pretty close to people when you're sharing a, sharing a bed, and we kind of told each other, well, there's this trick. If you kind of stick your leg out under the covers, it'll kind of keep you from turning over. You know, I think they were kind of warning me. Don't really know if it it worked or not, but we had a, a really good time. But it reminded me, I, I'd, I'd met, I stayed in a, in a room when we got to camp with six people. I stayed with Marty and Justin and Troy and Mark and uh, Cole. And, you know, you're in a little room with six guys and you get to, you get, to get pretty close to each other. I, I, I was reminded that there's no substitute when you're trying to create a relationship from shared experience. There's just no shortcut to that. The way to get close to someone is to, is to share experience. I'd met Marty at, we'd sat across from a table at the men's prayer breakfast and you know, we kind of got to you know, introduce ourselves. We didn't really get to, to know each other. You know, I don't know that I knew Justin. I saw Justin this morning, we were coming in and it was like, hey Justin, how are things going? It was a completely different feel than it would have been before camp because we didn't have the shared experience. There's no substitute for that. And it reminds, it reminds me that in our walk with Christ, there's no substitute for shared experience. If you want to build a relationship with Christ, shared experience is the, is the way to go. Um, one of the songs that we sung at camp was the No More Slave song. You know, the I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. See there, Mark? Look. I, uh, we sung that a lot, and you know, I, kind of, I kind of heard it. God has to work with me a little bit. And I got the part. I was, yeah, I'm a, I'm a child of God. Yeah, I'm a child of, I don't really think of, I'm not fearful. I'm, I go build businesses, and I meet people, and try to do new things. I, don't, I didn't really quite get it. But that was kind of, kind of working at us. The camp pastor, the last message was from Matthew, and it was, you know, the, the verse about the, or the, the, the passage about Peter 
getting out of the getting out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you, you have to get out of the boat. And uh, you know, so we got pretty excited. When I was at camp and I got there, the first day I got called away. I had a we had a little problem. Our company had a problem with our biggest customer, and I couldn't really avoid this meeting with the executives. One sometimes there are meetings that only the president can take care of, and I felt like I needed to run out and. So I ran out, talked to Andy, Bob, and Nathan, and said, hey, I need to take care of this. I'll be right back. So did a quick trip. I got back, and kind of God's sense of humor, he, he took care of my phone. He put it in paperwork mode. Literally, the phone would not work. And so I didn't realize what a blessing that was. It's kind of like, no, you're, you're here this week, and, and you're not here for the phone. I could check messages every now and then by glomming onto the Adrian's hotspot or whatever, but, you know, really... The phone and paperwork mode was a kind of a new deal for me, and I was anxious at first, but it was kind of great because there's no broadband up at, at Glorietta. Uh, the, as we were coming back, and I had a van full of of, uh, of girls, and I think several of them were getting baptized that next Sunday. And Caroline Ledford was my co-pilot. You know, we had one driver, and then one person tried to keep the driver awake because it's a long. Long drive, you don't want bands running off the road, right? And so uh, Caroline was, since she was co-pilot, she has her van hooked up to the iPod with the music, and she's playing music, and, you know, after a while, she's like, I think I'm done. Any of you guys want to take over the, the iPod in the back? And a couple of the girls, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take it over. And one of the girls I remember said, yeah, I want to get lit. And my first thought was, well, I'm old enough that I'm not... It just means something different. I can tell you it means something different now <laughs> than what it meant. What it meant was they started a, a song grouping of just, you know, terrific group of, of Christian music. And I remember one of the ones that came on was Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. And we're listening. I hear that Ebenezer. And I'm like, Caroline, what's, the, what's that reference? What is that Ebenezer? You know, like anybody knows the Ebenezer reference. And and uh, I said, look it up on Mr. Google. And so she Googles it. And, of course, it, it's, it's right there in Samuel. You know, the, the Israelites lose a battle at Ebenezer to the Philistines. And the, it's a bad thing because the Philistines end up with the Ark of the Covenant, which is a bad thing for the Philistines because they're not supposed to have it. And so lots of bad things are happening to the Philistines. And so they give it back. And it's a story. But Samuel basically tells the people, if you want to get right with God, you need to follow him completely and obey them, and the, the Israelites do, and they have a meeting at, at Mizpah, and the Philistines, I guess, are worried about it because they think, well, you know, what's going to happen? They decide to attack. They don't realize that the Israelites are having an Old Testament revival or a, you know, Thanksgiving service, and, you know, the Israelites get really scared that they're going to, they're going to attack, and God speaks with a heavy voice of thunder, I think is what the, the Bible says, and throws the Philistines in confusion. And the Israelites have a great victory. And after the victory, Samuel lifts up this rock and he calls it an Ebenezer. And most of us only know Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, but why would you call a rock Ebenezer? Well, that's the, the remembrance of the victory that is completely God's. It had nothing to do with the Israelites. And the song talks about raising the Ebenezer. And I couldn't get away from Ebenezer. We get back that Sunday and you remember that Sunday camp, we're doing the baptism, and the baptism up here, I don't know if it's fixed yet, but we're, we're working on it. It leaks, and so we can't use it. And we just dumped a, 
dumped a bunch of dirt out in the field, so it had rained, and it was like, well, that's really going to be a mess if we try to do it out there, and, you know, it just happened, and if you know a lot, things don't just happen, but the shark tank got delivered for Adventure Week, and so everybody, well, you know, we could fill that shark tank up, and we can do the baptisms in the shark tank, you know, why not, and, uh, and we did, and I remember we were set up here, and the, you know, had the baptisms and at least invited other people to, uh, to come be baptized and Preston got out of the boat and walked up and, you know, you know what happened. We had, what, 12 baptisms that day. It was kind of special. I remember looking at Mary and I said, Mary, that's, you know, we need more towels. And she looked at me and says, I was up there. There's no more towels. And of course I did what, you know, most idiots would do. I said, well, I walked up, and you can do the kind of path you walk up in the men's area and the women's area. And of course, there were no towels there, but I had to go prove that to myself, I guess. And I get back, and I report to her, hey, there are no towels. Yeah, I told you, there are no towels. <laughs> what are you, an idiot? And, you know, I'm, and we just about decided, well, you know, we'll work it out. And I looked over there, and someone had brought towels. I guess God provided towels. There was a big basket of towels, and certainly one there when I walked through, but it was there just as soon as I turned around. And you know what a what a great thing that was. It's a it's a pretty cool deal if your big problem at your church is you don't have enough towels for the baptism. That is a that's a good thing. Um, so I, I told you that God, some not great listeners of that service. What song do they play? Come thou fount of every blessing. There's Ebenezer. I'm looking around. Caroline, did you see it? Of course, you know. Of course, she would have seen it. it's like getting hit upside the head by a two by four. But she was, she was sick, and uh, after the, during the service, uh, Lee was moved by the Spirit, and you guys remember he audibles, and he says we're going to change the message, and the message was in Matthew about Peter getting out of the getting out of the boat, and I'm like, okay, um, I'm not a big believer in coincidence, but but I get it. The next week, Nathan preached, or week two, he preached. He used the illustration sermon point on Ebenezer. You know, I'm like, I can't get away with it. The week after that, our Sunday school class is doing the the uh, ushering, and I get there after the, you know, we got early birds, I guess. They've got all the doors covered, and I think to myself, well, I might as well go do the front door out there. I was at camp with the youth, so I'm going to go out there. I turn around, and I look at the sign. You know, you guys know there's a historical marker outside the old, chapel and and the men in halls are walking in. I'm shaking my head because that sign talks about the history of this church. It started in 1879 when uh, about two and a half miles southeast of our current location when Mr. Middleton gave the land and they built a structure called Alma Hall to honor his daughter. And I'm sitting there, okay, this is, you know, I'm waiting to greet people. This is pretty interesting. And the church moved here five years later when they merged with the Ebenezer Church. And I'm like, okay, all right, I, I get it, I get it. So for me, the, the issue is, is normally, it's a good word, it's called veleity. It's V-E-L-L-E-I-T-Y. And veleity is wanting something but not being willing to pay the price for it. You know, it's a notion, you know, I, I, I desire to have a relationship with that person. I need to follow up that person. 
but it's a good idea and I don't act on it. And for, for me, I've, I've been needing to start a, uh, a men's uh, small group, and I've talked with a few people about it. I haven't done it. I guess there's nothing like accountability than to mention it at, at church. So if you're looking for a small group, hit me up. You know, we, we'll, we'll make a good one. Um, I'm also reminded that there's no validity in God. God desired a relationship with us, and he was willing to pay the price. So what is God doing in my life this summer? And he's been telling me, maybe he's speaking to you today as well. Craig, don't be a slave to fear. Get out of the boat because this is your Ebenezer, your stone of help, your cornerstone foundation, your eternal rock truth, your rock solid promise. I've always helped you. Don't be a slave to fear. Get out of the boat. God has always helped us. And he always will. Y'all stand with me one more time. We sing at the cross.
ask you to pray for me. I'll be leaving tomorrow uh, in the morning to go to Uganda to help Amy with Elizabeth's voice. Thank you. Very nice. So please pray for a couple things. First of all, yesterday she puts her, her Elizabeth's voice uh, ATM card in the ATM machine there in Uganda so she can pay for the, re the order that they're doing and that machine took her card. And so she's got to go in the bank in Monday morning. Hopefully that can be rectified. If not, I'll be there Wednesday and we can probably do something to help her all out. So be in prayer about that. Also, uh, a couple ministry opportunities that we're going to have there I want you to pray for. Uh, they are building me a seat cushion and they want me to sit out in front of the two shops that they now have going on with Elizabeth's Voice and making the products that many of you have purchased. And if you haven't, go to elizabethsvoice.org and buy something for someone or yourself and get that going and help produce, uh, produce some income for these ladies, uh, single moms, widowed moms, divorced ladies uh, who are providing for their family there. And it's really a wonderful thing. But uh, one of the ministries is I'm supposed to sit out in front of those shops and as people go by, evidently I'm going to stand out like I do in Cambo Cambodia as a in Cambodia, they think I'm a famous wrestler, uh, and, uh, and I'm, she said, Dad, the government officials are going to come visit with you because I stick out here, and you're just going to be very, very obvious, and yeah, I'm always obvious somewhere. My, and so they're gonna, I'm going to sit out there and share the gospel with people, and towards the end of time, uh, we, I, I talked with her about this. We've already got this in motion, but I was reading in the gospels about the banquet Jesus gave, and I thought, wouldn't it be great? in that village if we just had the ladies go out and purchase food and put together whatever their barbecue would be or their big 4th of July celebration. They don't have that, I know, but if, what it would be the, that they would make food-wise, I don't know what it would be, and then uh, just invite everyone in the villages around to come and see the old white man, it, <laughs> right? And I could get, get to share the Lord with them. So we're going to work on that. And so you be praying. So somewhere August 27th or 28th, you be praying about this outreach to the village there in Uganda where Elizabeth's voice has been birthed and at work. Okay? So please be in prayer. Luke chapter 18. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Good question to the right person. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is one thing. There is one thing. There's still one thing you haven't done. Jesus knows his heart. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, 
he lists five or six of the Ten Commandments that he needed to fulfill. Jesus knew his heart, and you notice which ones Jesus didn't give to him. Love God with all your heart. No other gods before me. You shall not make yourself graven images. So the commandments that Jesus left out were the commandments the guy had trouble with. It wasn't adultery. It wasn't lying. It wasn't honoring your father and mother he had trouble with. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't stealing. So relationally, he was okay. He was pretty moral. However, something else had his heart. Money had his heart. The man replied, I obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad for he was very rich. And so for this man, it was money. He had a lot of money. He'd made a lot of money. He was making a lot of money. He was going to make a lot of money. Give it all away? Oh, my. Now, Jesus didn't say that one of the conditions of salvation is that we give away all our money, but he did say that we renounce everything and follow him. Now, that was this guy's problem. His problem could have been a sin. His problem could have been uh, arrogance. His sin could have been pride. Perhaps they were attached, but his issue, his struggle, and Jesus knew it was, is that he had a lot of money. If you're going to follow me, you've got to renounce everything. You've got to give away all you have and follow me. And since he had a lot, he wasn't willing to do that. And so money was before salvation for this guy. Those who heard it said, ask, talked among themselves, I suppose, then who in the world can be saved? Man, who in the world can be saved? He doesn't commit adultery, he doesn't steal, he doesn't lie, he doesn't cheat. Who in the world can be saved then? Well, Jesus replies to them, what is impossible for people is possible with God. And so it's a God thing. Salvation is a God thing. Not a morality, not of human effort of any kind not of human works, all by grace and the power of God is salvation. Nothing we can do to have the ability to earn our salvation. And Peter said, and this is really what I want to visit with you for a couple minutes, we've left our homes to follow you. Man, can you, can you follow Peter, Peter's mindset here? This rich guy, he walks away sad because he's got lots of money. And, it, and who can be saved? You know, Peter's struggling here going, man, we, we left a lot to follow you. In other words, what about us? What about me? Got boats, people overhead. Got a little house. I've got land. I've got this. I've got that. Got nets. I've got all the trappings for fish with. We've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. Listen to what Jesus says to him. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life. 
will be repaid many times over in this life. And so he says to Peter, Peter, I'm going to repay you. You're going to get far more in this life than you've given away. So what the Lord says to us here is what we renounce, what we walk away for for salvation, what we give away, what we trust, he's going to repay it many times over. So you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. You may be giving away a lot. Whatever he asks you to give away, to turn away from, to renounce, to follow Jesus. And listen, you're going to be repaid many times over in this life. Now, listen to what it says there. And we'll have eternal life in the world to come. So great life here, eternal life. That's what we receive by following Jesus. Great life here, joy, peace, love, grace, forgiveness, happiness, laughter, purpose, contentment. That's what we can have here, but eternal life there for the world to come. There's two things that, man, he's done for us that really does just stir me inside. He paid the debt that we couldn't pay. He paid our debt. We have a debt in sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have a debt that we cannot ever pay for. Can you imagine owing money and you can't ever pay it back? You'll never make enough to pay it back. You owe someone um, an amount of money that you can never pay them back. Now, for, for many of us here today, that amount might be $100,000. That might be, might be a million. It might be $5 million, It might be $10 million, But whatever it is possible for you to make the rest of your life, that number for you is way beyond that. You're never, ever going to be able to pay your debt. You're going to be an indentured servant to them. That's how sin is. We can never, ever pay for our sin. We can never, ever earn the right to be okay with God because of our sin. You can never, ever make up for your sin. But Jesus came and gave his life on the cross, and he paid the debt that we can't pay. That's what he did for us on Calvary. He gives us eternal life in the world to come. He gives us a great life here, but he forgives us of our sin. And something else in that scripture that I think is very important is Jesus completely satisfies here, there, and everywhere. Jesus satisfies. What you're looking for to satisfy your heart today? We're always looking for something to satisfy us, aren't we? Don't we want to be satisfied? Isn't that really where we're at in life? We want to be satisfied. We want to be whole. We want to be satisfied with the life that we have. Jesus completely satisfies. And so as we participate today in the Lord's Supper, just consider the wonder, the greatness the amazing thing that he paid a debt that we owed 
that we could never, ever pay for. And Jesus absolutely, completely satisfies. Please come forward for our Lord's Supper.